Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 234, our first episode of 2022. I am your host, Jared Weich. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Dominic Orlando. Goaty season. Goaty season. Um, yeah, so basically the plan to begin the year is we're going to be going over our goaties today, personal goaties, and then we'll kind of do the quick math and figure out what our quote-unquote controlled interest game of the year is. Um, which is pretty easy when there's only two of us. And then next week, we're going to be going over our predictions for 2021, seeing how we did, making new predictions for 2022. Um, and we're also going to be going over our Fantasy Critics League draft, which we'll be doing. Hopefully, we'll be joined by a friend of the show and often guest, uh, Topher Noons, a.k.a. Chris Noons. Um, but he might not be able to make it. We'll see. But for this episode, we're not going to be going over any news, Dom. We're going to be going over straightly or correctly or focused in on our goaties. Uh, the way we're going to do it for our personal list is up until the top five, we're going to just kind of list them off. Uh, maybe say a couple of words if you want to, but the focus is going to be on our top five of our goatee list. But before we get into those, I wanted to first mention the best games I played in 2021 that didn't come out in 2021. So basically my top backlog list. Um, Cause I played enough of them that I could make a decent list. So number five, I have Donut County, which is a nice little indie game where it's a puzzle game. It's kind of like Katamari Damacy in reverse where you have this hole and you move it around to gather more objects. And as you do, it gets larger. Um, really fun game. The cool thing with this is that I actually got to experience this game firsthand with my niece. She's eight years old. Getting into gaming in a, in a real tangible way outside of like small mobile games. And she had come over there visiting us. And she saw me playing it, and she's like, oh, that looks fun. Can I check it out? I ended up buying it for her for her Nintendo Switch because she has a Switch, and she loves it, and she's having a blast with it. So that was really cool. That was a neat little thing because it is that type of puzzle game where, you know, it's not a – what's the Jonathan Blow puzzle game that came out years ago that people loved in first person? The Witness. Yeah, that's a little bit more adult-oriented, right, in terms yeah. of solving those puzzles. Donut County is very simplistic. It's, like I said, Katamari-related. So I had a blast with that. Number four, Spider-Man Miles Morales. This is a game that I didn't get a chance to finish in 2020 when it came out. So by the time 2021 came around, that's when I actually finished the game, like the narrative and everything. Um, obviously, great game. We had our criticisms of it. Um, number three, Hades. This is a game that I enjoyed, but I don't know if I just missed the hype around it when it first released. That By the time I played it, I liked it, but I didn't fall in love with it the way other people did. And I wonder if that's also because, I don't know if you remember at the beginning of the year, I played a game called Curse of the Dead Gods, Dom, yep. which was very much inspired by Hades. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if I got my Hades fix from that. And then by the time I played the, I don't want to say the real thing, but obviously that game got a lot of inspiration from Hades. I was kind of like over it a little bit, unfortunately. I, I had something similar. Like I loved it for 15 hours um, and then I just got burned out and never went back to it. Never actually made it a successful run all the way through, but enjoyed it for that first while at least yeah and funny enough neither of us played returnal this year either so mm -hmm. i wonder how that would have played out as well in comparison uh number two is spirit fair this is a game i wanted to get to in 2020 when it originally released and it just fell into the backlog and when i played it this year i talked about it on the podcast of how the way it deals with loss and coming to terms with you know one's own existence and the failures or successes you have and dealing with death and facing your own um, decisions you made in your life you know it's the really special game I really suggest people play it uh, whether you're going through a tough time or not it was especially 
connective to me in the uncertain times you are with the pandemic and stuff of you honestly never know if you could lose somebody around the corner. Um, and the way it just portrays a death and coming to terms with that and, you know, kind of focusing on relationships people have in their life. And when you come to the point in which you're going to die, did you do enough to reconcile those relationships? Were they worth doing that for? It's a very special game and they've had numerous updates that have added new characters to take to the afterlife and some small quality of life stuff too. Great game. And then number one uh, is Psychonauts. It's the reason I got so pumped for the release of Psychonauts 2. I had talked about on the podcast how if I would have played this when it originally released in, what, 20... Uh, I was going to say 20, 2004. I think it was 2004, 2003. That it would have been a game I would have talked about my whole life and the way I do Pokemon of something that was core to my gaming experience. And I really loved it. And uh, yeah, it was the best game that didn't come out this year that I played. Just And it... Obviously, a lot of its gameplay stuff doesn't hold up, uh, and even some of uh, its design constraints based on like the, the the little amount of polygons you can put at the screen at, at that point. All of that still didn't take away from the experience that it was overall and how special it felt to me. So that's cool. Those are my top uh, five games that didn't come out last year that I played this year. Um, and maybe going forward, we can add this to whenever we talk about Goaties, because I do think, obviously, we try to get to a lot of the new games, but we do play games on our backlog that we've wanted to play, right? Whether it's through sales or Game Pass or something, um, it's nice to recognize those games that aren't necessarily in the moment anymore, but are definitely mm-hmm. good games in their own right. So, Yeah, um, I always try to draw that balance between, like, because sometimes it's hard to find anything, you know, in between games, and you're kind of like, ah, oh, what can I get into next? And that's how it was earlier for me this year when Returnal and Ratchet and Clank came out. I just really wasn't feeling either of them. And instead I was, you know, just playing Persona 5, even though that had come out, I think the year before for the Royal version. So that, that'd be one of those for me. Well, and you know, the interesting thing now is, uh, you know, when, if, if we talk about this type of thing next year, I've already played a couple of games that are on my backlist. So uh, I played a game called Townscaper uh which i'll talk about eventually and then i'm playing through bug fables which is like this bug rpg game and blasphemous which i'm well i have so much to say about blasphemous that game is so sick um really which I remember you- I, okay i'm gonna have to go back because i spent maybe two hours and i kind of like bounced off like i just think i wasn't feeling it i didn't really give it a fair shake um but if you suggest it I do, then I'll go back and, uh, cause I bought it, you know, so I'm, and it's on switch and stuff. So I had no excuse not to, and it's not huge or anything. And I think it's actually seen like several big expansion updates since you played, like it oh, even really? has a different subtitle now too. Yeah. Oh. Um, and I'm only like two and a half hours in. I actually had to stop playing because I'll say this real quick. My RB button on my Xbox uh, series X controller stopped working. So I had to order a new controller. Oh, which isn't Dude. too surprising. Like I've had the console since what? When did it come out? Twenty twenty. So it's like yeah. over two years. So it's fine. It's gonna be my first controller I buy outside of the console. You know. So I had on my Dual Sense for a while, for like two weeks or so, the square button was sticking, and I was furious. And and then also like one of the analog sticks, the left stick, was drifting as if it thought it was a switch. Um, <laughs> but both things somehow corrected themselves. Um, fingers crossed or you know knock on wood <laughs> so i don't know i i'm a little hesitant on trust on the durability of the dual sense so far um but yeah and yeah i've i mean the xbox series x controller is not much different than its past iterations and they do have pretty good durability i mean i don't sit here and like smash it against the, the you know the table or anything crazy like that yeah. 
Um, so uh, yeah, and I, like I said, it's my first control after buying the console, so it's no big. It's not like I'm you know running through these things. The interesting thing is I had three different options, right? Is like, do do I buy a sixty dollar one? That's kind of like the simple one that I have. Do I pay a little bit more, like eighty ish dollars, for a Design Lab one because I've wanted to do that as well, or do I just say F it and get the Elite Series two, right? So I was debating in my head of what I want to do. I just went with the normal uh, $60 one, but I got the blue one, like really nice, like oh, sonic yeah. blue one. Okay. Uh, Cause it was the same price. I was like, what's the point of just buying the basic black one anyways. So I've, I've stopped playing blasphemous because if you remember RB is the parry button and you can't mm -hmm. uh, map you your controls it. in that. So I literally couldn't parry. So I was like, I, I had to wait. Controls coming in a couple of days from recording. So that's at least good. Anyways, uh, real quick, before we get to your non-top five, because I've been talking a lot, my honorable mentions for this year are games that I've played and I've enjoyed, and I think if I played more, they could have potentially ended up on my top ten. I just didn't have enough experience with them to give a you know proper criticism of. Were Eastward, uh, which was the uh, RP the uh, Earthbound inspired RPG on Switch, which I definitely want to get back to. Uh, Moon Glow Bay, which is the fishing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. thriller horror game set in like the Pacific Northwest and then Pokemon Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl, which I also haven't had enough time with. Um, so those are the three honorable mentions and then uh, we'll get to my non top five, but I want to hear about your non top fives. Uh, I guess from order of whatever the last one is. Yeah. So these aren't necessarily in an order. It's a little messy, but um, I want to keep adding actually to like games from last year that I played this year. Because I'm now realizing that's where I spend a bulk of my time. Um, <laughs> so for one, uh, Star Wars Squadrons that came out last year. That was, uh, you know, the exclusively flight oh, sim yeah. Star Wars game. And it was a, um, it was like a budget game too. It was like thirty, forty dollars kind of a thing. And, and I had a lot of fun with that. Um, it's what it is. Uh, I actually ended up preferring the all the the flying in Battlefront Two, which was just a simplified version of that. Oh wow. Um, squadrons is difficult there's a it's complex and it can be even more complex if you want it to be and the multiplayer is intense and uh it's difficult you can only be in first person view so from within the cockpit um so it's a little less actually arcadey and it's more like it's pretty serious um i mean the campaign is a couple hours to swing through and that's that can be fun still but beyond that it gets it gets tough but i saw some fun beyond. With it. <laughs> yeah beyond um and actually, so just recently, I finally got around to playing Cyberpunk 2077 because uh, I thought, why not? Apparently, um, that's that. You know, I'm going back and forth and like kicking myself. Maybe I should be playing Life is Strange instead. But, dude, Cyberpunk, really cool. The world they built. Um, granted, I'm only a couple hours in, but really cool. Like really impressive what they like put together. Even with there's even on PlayStation Five, there's still. A lot of textures that pop in, even like sometimes whole sides of buildings and people and cars just sort of pop up in front of you. And you're like, oh, okay. Guess you loaded a little late, man. You know, that kind of stuff they still have problems with. But otherwise, really solid frame rate and uh, the story is pretty cool. And the aesthetic obviously is uh, what it is, you know. But well, more on that later because uh, I think it's a bigger game that needs demands more attention. But yeah, so I just wanted to point those out too because... And then I also I also hit on uh, Persona Five already, which was I think I spent 115 hours or something absurd um, in that game, and that technically came out last year, but oof, that's it's worth mentioning I think. So <laughs> into games actually from this year, um, I'm going to point out technically Far Cry... last year because we're recording in 2022, but everyone knows Man. what you're saying from 2021. <laughs> Man, 
I've been so good about that at work and, and otherwise about, you know, this year versus last year in 2010. But I prided myself when I was in school on that of like when near I wasn't going to be the one messing it up, you know, for some Man. reason it didn't even matter, but whatever. I, I finally <laughs> fell. Uh, but yeah, I'll point out Far Cry 6 was a lot of fun. You know, I actually spent a lot of time with that game and did some cool stuff. Nothing really revolutionary, um, but a cool new setting, some cool characters and, you know, just a lot of fun. Nothing... Nothing surprising there, so it doesn't quite make it into a top five for me though. Been a lot of fun with that. Resident Evil Village, I I was a, I was slightly disappointed with. I had you know really high expectations for it, uh, maybe unfairly so after Village or after Seven Biohazard, and this one I think was a bit of a regression in far at least in terms of how scary it was and how much it really you know instilled the actual survival horror elements so this game you know it gave you more ammo and was a lot more in the daytime and good they did a great job of different levels being very varied the environments were very different a lot of different areas to go through so that was cool but that comes at the sacrifice of uh you know that that mood and tone is constantly changing that makes it less scary to me at least whereas in seven you're basically stuck inside this big old decrepit swamp house the whole time, um, save for a bit uh, at the end for a little bit. But yeah, so Village ultimately, and the story is wild and weird, of course, and that's fine. But the characters are whatever too. But yeah, so it was a little bit of a of a of a letdown to me. Um, still a good game. Um, felt really that controlled really well. Felt good to play, but just missed on some of the horror I wanted out of it, uh, unfortunately. But yeah, that that rounds out the the honorable mentions and the the 2020 uh you know delays that snuck into 2021 for me. Well, it's funny because Resident Evil Village I didn't make my honorable mentions or my list and it's because it was a game that I didn't finish and then I also don't know if I want to go back and finish <laughs> if I'm being honest. Um yeah. so yeah, it, it, that's that. <laughs> I'll have to send that. Uh my my uh top uh, list for 2021 I think is a little bit longer than yours so I have a couple more honorable mentions than you had uh, first up at number nine Forza Horizon 5 I'm not a racing car guy so the fact that this game got me to play for more than 20 plus hours is an award all in of itself released on game pass which is also a huge bonus have fun with it it's a game I like to go into whenever I feel like driving something um, constantly rewards the player it has a really good gameplay loop um, and it has a lot of elements that if we're slightly in the wrong direction could be microtransaction hell, but they do it well in a way that it doesn't affect the game in that, in that aspect. Um, and, uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Uh, number eight loop hero, really dope indie game. I talked about this at the very beginning of 2021. Um, you know, I talked about blasphemous and obviously if you look at blasphemous for more than two seconds, you understand it has that souls like, aesthetic which is borrowed from berserk uh the obviously famous anime and manga so it definitely has that vibe as well and i love that if you're into that vibe of berserk and souls games and blasphemous um loop heroes right down your alley i know it's a weird uh you know it's a deck builder with a loop in it it's very hard to explain it's now on switch i think that's probably its premier place to be is on mobile or something like that um, because it happens so quickly uh, the gameplay for it. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, I definitely suggest it. It'll probably eventually come to you Game Pass in some form as well. Speaking of Game Pass, my number seven is Unpacking. 
this is probably one of the most relaxing and melodic games I've ever played. If you haven't heard about it, it's basically you start the game as a person who's moving into a new house and you have to unpack these boxes and put all of their belongings where they belong in certain rooms. So you start with just this girl's bedroom and then you escalate to when she's, you know, in a college dorm and then it's a house. So you do different rooms there and then it's her with her significant other. And the game actually tells a really heartwarming and heartbreaking narrative involving someone's life. So yeah, you're unpacking these boxes and you're figuring out where certain items go, but like through what items stay and what items disappear and what items are added and the rooms and kind of the environmental storytelling that they do, it's good. It's was one of the more surprising games I played because I was expecting it just to be an objective-based game where you're unpacking these things, putting them in the right place, more of like a puzzle game, right? Like a straight-up puzzle game. Wasn't expecting the type of story it weaved and actually quite emotional the music is really good um highly suggested for anybody who has game pass if you're just trying to vibe out and chill if you uh partake in the herbal remedies I, it'd probably be even better i'm not that type of person but if you are it probably would take the experience up another notch as well unpacking definitely worth playing and then my last of the uh honorable mentions i guess or the non-top five is number six and this is a game that I had in my top five, very clearly not my top five, until I finished two games the last couple of weeks that kind of bounced it out of the top five. And that's Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy was a huge surprise. Once again, the narrative was way better than it had any right being. The writing was very good. The performances, you always wonder, is this discount MCU? What are you getting here? They were really good for the most part. There was a couple that were kind of weird, like... Rocket Raccoon would fluctuate from being perfectly the James Gunn MC Rocket Raccoon to like a weird Godfather Sopranos impersonation sometimes. <laughs> uh, wasn't always perfect, um, but the characters are great. I enjoyed the combat, but the combat is the most divisive part of this game. You were either in or out, and I really enjoyed it. It was button mashy, but for me in a very arcade and fun way. The characters were awesome. There was enough twists and turns in the story to keep you interested. And for somebody who, between us on the podcast, I'm like the Marvel guy between us, right? You're the Star Wars guy. I'm the Marvel guy. There was enough difference there that made the story refreshing, but also enough connections to the Marvel universe. And I'm like, oh, they could touch on that in the sequel. Or, oh, are they going to go that direction? Really cool stuff. Plenty of Easter eggs. A good time. And honestly... I would say I would fight for any of the games in my top 10 as a potential game of the year candidate because I really enjoyed all of them for very different reasons. And I can't wait to get to my top five. I guess, how do you want to do our top five? You want to go five, five, four, four in that direction, Dom, or you want to go my five through one, your five through one? How do you want to do it? Yeah, let's, let's do five, five, four, four, three, three. Da, da, da. Okay, so wait, if I go first, you'll go last, right? Yeah. So we'll I'll start, so you'll give the last number one, okay? Okay. So, uh, first up, my number five is Backbone. Have you heard of this game? No. What? Backbone. Do a quick Google search real quick. Oh, man. So, Backbone, this is one of the two games that I finished in the last couple of weeks that I fell in love with. So, Backbone is a side-scrolling adventure detective game where you, the world's full of anthropomorphic animals. You play as this raccoon detective who's a private eye. And basically, the way the game starts is you're asked by this woman to take pictures of her cheating husband, okay? 
She feels that her husband is cheating on her. He's not coming home late, uh, coming home on time. He's staying out late, working weird hours. And this unravels. Don't look too much into it because I want you to play it. This unravels a larger mystery that spans the city. And it gets crazier and crazier. Very unique pixelated art style. Um, It my only knock against this game is I wish it was a voice acted because I think this could have taken the game to another level. Even despite that, I think it's a fantastic game. It's very noir, very uh, in the shadows. Like if you like that type of vibe, you're going to love this. Um, How would I put this? Um, So obviously did you ever play uh, limbo or uh, inside? No, no. Okay. So those games are very, artsy and they tell open-ended stories that leave the the player to interpret what happened for themselves right obviously i'm being vague because i want you to play those games as well this game tells a story that isn't necessarily ending with happiness and that's what i like because you know when we talk about breaking bad that isn't necessarily a happy story right it never really is pretty terribly Terrible story, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And never, not every story needs to be happy, and I think that you need the weight there. You need the balance. You know, perfectly balanced as all things should be. This is a great game. A lot of twists and turns. The way you interact with characters changes how things go about. Um, I'm try- Like, I want to be as vague as possible because I definitely want you to play this. Very short, too. I think it's like four and a half hours total. You can get through it. Um, but the layers keep unraveling of this mystery. And like I said, it starts with you as a private eye asked to go take pictures of this guy who's cheating. And what you, so you start off by trying to figure out where he exactly is. And that leads to a bigger mystery that unravels a bigger mystery that unravels a bigger mystery. And it's one of those games that the moment you finish it, Dom, you're going to want to talk to me about the ending and what exactly our thoughts are and what happened. Because I had that. I sat there and told my mom who kindly listened to me tell her about this game <laughs> because she's very much into the the true detective, the the true crime type of stuff, right, as a lot of people are. So I didn't really mention that there were anthropomorphic animals or anything because that's kind of irrelevant when you're telling somebody the story. But I told her the story of it from just purely narrative, and she was encapsulated. She's like, every time, because I did in a couple of play sessions, she would come back to me and be like, so what happened today when you played it? And I would tell her she she was invested (laughs) in it, which I think is a good sign of a good story if somebody who has no attachment to video games wants to hear about what happened. So, uh yeah, like I said, it hopped right into my top five. I absolutely loved it. Um, the characters are really good, and they play with, you know, what a lot of good crime stories do of your expectations and people not necessarily being who you expect them to be, and you having to go out on a limb and trust people you might not want to, or maybe you don't trust people that you should. Great, I love it. It's in Game Pass, so easy to download. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm going to do it. This, I mean, it looked incredible. I can't, I, I just from seeing a, the one minute trailer, the art style, uh, like you mentioned is really cool. Um, totally. When you start up the game, the music's going to get you that open. I tweeted about it. I don't know if you saw my tweet, the opening theme of that game is just such a vibe, you know, it's okay. so good. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. This looks cool. I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm actually going to follow through on this one. I, I'm telling you now. <laughs> And if you don't like, you don't like it, but I really think it might hook you Mm because it unravels pretty astoundingly and it gets weird and dark and pessimistic and oh, it's so good. So good. Uh, That's my number five. What's yours? 
Five for me, I'm going with Mario Party Superstars. Hell yeah. So this, uh, I didn't play a, a drop of this by myself. It was just the wife and I, tons of couch co-op. And I mean, we just had an absolute blast with this. This was a, a good improvement over the last Mario Party game on Switch from two or three years ago. Um, it was all the boards and the games themselves, all remakes from previous Mario Parties, like back to the original on N64, um, through the GameCube and Wii and stuff like that. So it's cool to see, you know, for example, like Peach's Birthday Cake, all the way from N64 remastered, you know, remade on Switch. And they even give you a quick screenshot of what the level used to look like on the old system. And you like, it makes you blink really hard. You're like, wow, that that's what that looked like i didn't remember it like that and then obviously the new version looks great but uh yeah they made some tweaks to how the dice works and like some of the other some balancing type things is just as far as how the the boards function that in my opinion made it a bit more not just competitive but also also more of that random factor um that that is frustrating and a little more variability going on where like you can be playing, you can be very skilled, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee you the win, um, even more so than in Mario Kart, right? This is even more random, and that's, you know, <laughs> from a, maybe a purely objective standpoint, you could say that that's a detriment, you know, like a con, but that's kind of what makes this game what it is. It makes you end up screaming that, you know, oh, Daisy must be, you know, doing someone some favors at Nintendo because she always seems to get the good roles and the good... Uh, the good fortunes that kind of thing but yeah a lot of fun we had playing mario party so i was glad that this one held up to to what i wanted super tons of fun with mario party this year well especially with the last one being so disappointing right for a lot of people the fact that this mm -hmm. one actually delivered on what people wanted and you know a lot of people had this kind of same experience with tell me uh, not tell me why uh what is a multiplayer game the one game of the year it takes two it takes two there you go Tell me why it was on my brain because I, I needed a I had to Google what the name of the game was for something I'm going to talk about next. But uh, with it takes two up, people had that co-op experience, and though you weren't necessarily working together, unless maybe Daisy was screwing you and your wife over in the game, maybe you guys then worked together. Uh, but to be able to experience that, especially with somebody who, you know, like I talked about with my mom wanting to hear about Backbone, it's kind of the same thing with you with Mario Party, where you don't always get to play video games with your wife, but this is one where you can both enjoy it together and have a blast and spend mm -hmm. time together enjoying one of your favorite hobbies. So that's great. And I'm, I'm glad it met your expectations because this is one you had circled for a while from the beginning of the year. Yeah. Like, oh I man, was, I hope it's good. Yeah. I was hyped on it for a while. Uh, one last thing I forgot to point out that's important. Um, no motion controls in this game at all. So because all Thank the games God. Are remakes, <laughs> um, all the mini games are remakes. You know they don't need motion controls, and there's not really anything new uh, design going on with those. Um, but yeah, in the previous game, a lot of games required motion, which is hit or miss, especially on Switch, which doesn't have you know a tracker. It's just the uh, accelerometer in the controller. So that's kind of not always ideal for certain things, and could be could have been frustrating in some of those. Uh, in the previous Switch game, but this one did away with that. I think it was <clears throat> a great decision to do so. I'm going to go out on this hill and die on it, that in the age of virtual reality, no game should have motion controls unless it's virtual reality. I could understand back in the novelty of the Wii and stuff like that, but we're in a place now where if you're not doing it at the level of a virtual reality game, you're just not going to be fun for anybody. Mm -hmm. I, that's my opinion anyway, so I'm glad that they took it out. <laughs> I think... 
We I think when uh, when Skyward Sword first came out on the Wii and you needed the enhanced Wii remote to play it, and the Wii had a little sensor bar, and the motion controls with that were still shit. And it was a sword, so like that's that should have been ideal, and it still just couldn't do it. So that to me was like the sign. Yeah, guys, let's not keep trying this anymore. Well, that's why a lot of people like the remake because it removed the need to do motion controls right. if right. you wanted. So give people the option at the very least. Uh, my number four is Life is Strange True Colors. Now, the reason I mentioned Tell Me Why by accident is because so with Tell Me Why, uh, we talked about how. This kind of sold us in the fact that the shortcoming of the Telltale games was that it was episodic and you had to wait for each episode. And would tell me why it was kind of like, oh, you know, you playing it all at once or at least a week apart and getting it all done within a month span or, you know, closely together kind of helps the overall narrative and helps you enjoy the game overall a lot more. And with Life is Strange True Colors, it's the same way. Being able to hop in and play all five acts without having to wait three to four months for the next episode really tied the narrative together and didn't make me feel like I was lost at any point. Didn't have me ask any questions. I didn't have to watch a recap or something to remember the decisions I made in a previous uh, act or anything like that. Um, it's good. I really enjoy it. I think out of, I haven't played life is strange Two or before the storm, but I have played the first, the original life is strange. Tell me why. And obviously all the telltale games. And I would say, this is probably second to only the first season of Walking Dead, which like Telltale's Walking Dead is phenomenal. It's hard to beat that the first season. It's really good. Uh, Alex Chen is the main character. She's an empath. She can feel other people's emotions. And not only can she feel them, once she absorbs the feeling of their emotion, she can access memories that cause those emotions. And that's kind of how like you work through the relationships in the game. Uh, it's located in a beautiful Colorado town. I think it's called Haven. Um, the characters are great. It does a good job of allowing you to make Alex Chen who you want her to be in terms of there's a male character and a female character. So you can choose if she's straight, if she's, you know, gay, if she's bi, if she's ace, like you can choose whatever you want to. It doesn't matter. Uh, but if you want to pursue the specific relationships of those characters, you can, the characters themselves are all well acted. Oftentimes I feel in a lot of these, uh, you know, story-based episodic games, most of the time, the main characters are well voice acted, but oftentimes the the side characters those where you feel the budget. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, okay, I understand these aren't the, uh, and I hate to put it this way, but like the A list voice actors, these are definitely people uh, that they had to get that aren't necessarily the the cream of the crop. And with Life is Strange True Colors, almost every character is so well done. Um, this game has incredible twists at the end that I didn't see coming. Um, I really enjoyed it. This is one of those games that we talked about that we would try to get to during the break. And this one more so than even uh, Backbone. I don't want to say anything about it, Dom, because I know how much we enjoyed Tell Me Why. And obviously, I want you to get to the Life is Strange games. I want you to play this because it's definitely going to be worth your time. The cool thing with it, too, you don't have to play the other ones uh, at all. You can just hop right into this. Uh, there's a chapter of this game, this isn't a spoiler, just something I really want to mention, where you the whole town commits to a live-action role-play, and you can do turn-based combat in the third act of this game. Uh, it's really fun. It kind of changes up the whole perspective of the game, and it fits into what's happening in the narrative, so it's not like crazy or anything. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. It deals with a lot of tough topics, as these type of games always do, and 
what I will say too that it nails and the reason I'm happy that all acts are available is these are some of the best nail uh, nail biting cliffhanger episodes where you finish it, something happens, it cuts out and you're like, Oh my God. And then you want to immediately play the next episode. So that's super satisfying. Um, my favorite soundtrack of the year, which is surprising because guardians of the galaxy has a lot of licensed music, a lot of fire songs in there. Life is Strange True Colors. If you're into the very Pacific Northwesty indie rock progressive folky type vibes, uh, this is it's great. There's points in this game, Dom, where you can sit down with Alex and in nature or on a pier or something, and you can sit there and let the song play as long as you want. You can back out at any point, but it just lets you sit there and it cuts around to different angles of the beautiful landscape of this town. And just lets you listen to the song in the game, which is dope. Um, the main actress who plays Alex Chen covers Creep, which is one of my favorite songs of all time. So that's awesome. Uh, and there's also a couple of arcade machines in the game that are ripoffs or remakes of classic video games, too, that you can play as well. It's so well done. Uh, I love the way the collectibles work. So when you press left trigger, you activate her empath ability to sense other people's emotions. But you can also sense objects that are that are connected to deep emotions and from that you learn memories as well. So whether you're like you're in her apartment or you're around the city, you can see these emotionally charged objects to give you more of the narrative as well. Really good. I, it kind of really blew away my expectations. I went in expecting it to be as good as the first life is strange. And remember this is deck nine's first foray into the mainline life is strange. They did before the storm, which is a prequel, but this is them taking over the series in a real way. So I went in there a little bit hesitant because you don't know what to expect. And it was great. And it was modern without the cringy uh, verbiage that they use in the first Life is Strange. That's only the one real criticism I have that first game is they use uh, a lot of like modern teenage phrases in a very cringy way of like an adult writing oh, wow. a teen. Whereas this one feels genuine and feels natural. And like, there's a record shop in the town too, which is definitely great vibes. It's, it's a good game and it's unfortunate you weren't able to get to it over the break, but I really hope you make the time for it. Cause I do think you'll really enjoy it. Yeah, no, I intend to, I, I it's good to hear that it, that it lived up the expectations or exceeded them for you. Cause now, um, now I even more intended to, but yeah, it's, it's definitely something I'm going to get to. And it'll be your first life is strange, correct? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Hell yeah start with the best uh okay so going on to four now feels like i think we're, we're gonna start getting into it here um i think the next four i, I actually i think our next four or you only have three left um, i only have three left uh our next three then our top three i think are gonna be the same three games i'm calling it now but nonetheless we'll see how that plays out my number four is death loop i went back and forth um, on whether this was going to be three or four, and we'll find out shortly what I put ahead of it instead. But um, the way the narrative of this game kind of ended in the last like third of it just really made me just cringe and just kind of made me wish I had stopped it playing before that, um, <laughs> almost. Uh, the actual like main story itself, the ending is the way things end is fine. But the way the characters end off, I'm, I was just, ugh, what, what, it, huh? Why do we? 
that was kind of my reaction. Um, and it was such a stark contrast where the first two thirds of the game, the interactions between, um, holy crap, Colt and Juliana were just awesome. And, and to be fair, they didn't stop being awesome. Um, their, the performances are really good, but it was just like the way things played out were just weird to me at the end. But, um, in addition, the first two thirds of the game, the gameplay is just, it's just sublime. It's just, they took dishonored (laughs) and, and made it, um, and put the most creative twist on it that in theory I didn't expect to work at all. I thought this, I, I, we both kind of were hesitant on this ahead of time. Like, Ooh, uh, so it's kind of a, you know, a, a roguelite, but, um, but is yeah. it asymmetrical as it isn't? It, what, what's yeah, going on here? It was confusing. And the more I heard about it ahead of time, it didn't reassure me at all. But like, once I got in there and, and saw, um, not just how fun the gameplay ended up being, which I, I expected that, but, how they designed the quest system and how it all works. It's just all clicked. And it was like, oh, okay, this this is sweet. This is really cool. And then also, <clears throat> as you go along, um, you start out just underpowered, um, under-equipped, and really trying to be careful and stealth your way through these uh, five different levels. But after you go through them enough times, uh, you just are a complete badass, not only because you're you have more abilities and weapons, but also you know the levels so well and you know where each um where all the enemies are and, and you're just like a badass running through that is of course until juliana invades you and just throws off your whole rhythm which is a fun um twist they put in there too and it was cool how that that is actually another person invading you like a like a FromSoft game so yeah it was it was a bit of a bit of whiplash with death loop where the, the level design was awesome the gameplay was uh, sublime and uh <clears throat> the the characters were great and it just it just petered off so much at the end for me that um i mean it's still this is still top five right it's, it's still a great game i'd recommend to anyone um very violent though so i guess not anyone but yeah so that's why it, it kind of got pushed down to four um in, in favor of some other things we'll get to Man, I always hate every year when people are like, oh, this year wasn't great because of X, Y, or Z. It's like the year Sekiro and Game of the Year. Last year, too, people are kind of complaining 2021. Like, every game on my top list, I super enjoyed. And uh, honestly, even though I have Life is Strange True Colors at 4, if somebody came in and is like, are you sure you don't want that to be your Game of the Year? I'm like, you could convince me. <laughs> there, right. There's an argument yeah. there where you can definitely mm-hmm. convince me. Since our top three are the same games, I want to do this a little bit more interestingly. So we can both talk about the games because it's not going to be weird where if I have a game at three, you have a game at one and we talk about it and like, you know what I mean? So we're going to talk about them in alphabetical order and then we'll reveal where they're placed at on our list. Okay. We'll do it that way. All so right. let's first start up with death store <clears throat> comes up first, starting with a D. Uh, we talked about, if you guys heard our predictions for the, uh, uh, the game awards show, we talked about how this game was going to get snuffed. It wasn't going to be talked about enough. It only was up for one award. This game is incredible. Um, I guess you should start on Death Store and why it's such a special game now, because I've talked about it a lot. So I want to start with, because we already mentioned Hades earlier, the combat in Death Store felt like what I wanted more out of Hades, where the the combat in that game was just a little too arcadey for me, um, whereas Death Store kind of merged Hades with uh, like a link to the past or a Zelda game, right? Uh, where the combat was sort of, you know, st- not necessarily stages, but 
enemies wouldn't kind of invade you and it would be this is what you're doing is combat and you can't really leave the area until you're done typically or but um it was just it felt so good the the gameplay the controls the combat in death store was just great the the way and then also similar to zelda the way you unlock new abilities new weapons as you progress through the game and how those help you unlock new areas oh like i know that's like age-old design really but like i love that shit <laughs> um very uh metroidvania kind of in a way but but it it just felt a little more zelda in its in its stylings but yeah that the gameplay of, of death store was just so good and then we can get into you know the art style very unique very cool but even more unique and more cool is where the the characters that you meet along the way um you know we talk about pothead who is just literally a guy whose head is a pot just so we're not getting confused um but even returning for Elden Ring (laughs) right yeah man um to to think that those obviously would have been developed uh concurrently but without knowledge of each other is kind of cool too to think about but anyway um yeah even like a lot of the bosses are really good um really cool like a lot of just a lot of good characters in this game a lot of good dialogue and goofy and it made me smile a lot on top like this is all in like a a, like a really kind of like fairy tale-ish kind of world that uh and a lot of secrets hidden all over just like a pretty good story that that is very uh i think i'll I'll say it's unique also the way like oh you know you're you're working for this firm of crows who are you know uh kind of live forever just collecting souls and reaping souls or whatever um you know and some things happen and events transpire and you know obviously that doesn't stay. It has a lot of parallels with the Loki Disney Plus show, funnily enough. Oh, really? Okay. I haven't watched Loki. Probably won't do it, but uh, that's that's an interesting. <laughs> you should. It's fun. But basically, the premise of the show is it's like this, this center of all time that can go to all of these certain past events through time and fix things. So it's like doors in a way. So that's like the big parallels. It's like the centralized. Okay. But it's just like an you office know, corporation. Yeah. Exactly. And they have access to other parts of the world. The main difference being time and space for those two. But yeah, it has some parallels there too, which I thought was neat. Yeah. But yeah, Death Door just did, it did so much right. And it was a little challenging, but not, you know, it wasn't like from software challenging, but just enough to push you a little bit, um, which which I think was good. It's what I wanted out of this. And I just, it's just such a good game. I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. It's an example of you don't need to overcomplicate a game to make it special. Like, a lot of its aspects are very simplistic. Um, There's, what, six weapons total or five weapons total. Mm -hmm. The progression upgrade uh, system is very straightforward. The boss fights are pretty much straightforward for the most part. The level, like, it's all simplistic but in the best ways. And I think oftentimes we see that people feel the need to overcomplicate things to make their game stand out or feel special and death store it kind of goes from uh titan souls right of that game was super simplistic in its design mm-hmm. but the core idea was so special that people fell in love with it and this is the, the developers just extending that to like you know we don't need to overcomplicate things we have a good idea let's execute on it and then when you have the art style it does and the world and everything they just knocked it out of the park i've spoken enough about it but i think your words are more than enough to justify its place in our top three uh, next up, Halo Infinite. 
This is one of the best packages in terms of a video game that I've played in a long time. Obviously, the multiplayer came out a month before the campaign did, and it was excellent. I've talked about how much I love Halo multiplayer. You know, Halo 5 got uh, scrutinized for the campaign and the way they handled that story, but most people felt that it was the best multiplayer suite the series had ever seen. And it's great to see Halo Infinite fall in those footsteps. Um, obviously, there's some issues with, like, the... The battle pass progression rate, which they've tweaked and stuff like that, and the addition of numerous game modes in the playlist, which have also fixed. But overall, the experience is great. I'm having a blast with you know friends or even by myself. It is very nostalgic, but new in the same way. Like I love hopping in and feeling as if I'm in middle school again, playing over a LAN connection with my friends. But also at the same time, it has a lot of those modern shooter tendencies that we need in those type of experiences in 2021 and beyond you know the sliding and all of that stuff the pinging system uh, and then the campaign came out and this was a big question mark we hadn't seen little of anything people were worried was it going to get delayed because it's not launching with co-op what exactly is going to happen it's an open world craig was ugly what's going on there uh and you hop in and i think they do a brilliant job of making the first two levels of this game classic Halo in terms of it being linear progression. You're in a combined, uh, a combined, confined space in the spaceship, and it's progressing as any Halo game would. It's very hallway centric where you're moving forward, eliminating groups of enemies. And then it culminates in a fight with the first boss of the game, who is Tophonius, I believe his name is, which is a giant brute general. Once you defeat him, you take this elevator up, and then you're let go into the open world and it's you know you can explore to your heart's desire and i do think it was a very smart decision for them to design it that way because you don't want to alienate players off the jump of dropping him into an open world you want to be like oh this feels like the halo i remember i'm willing to give them the chance because it slowly opens you up to that open world um i think they designed the open world in a great way where there's points of interest across the map uh it, um, the the grapple shot is the greatest addition to halo in yes, franchise it history it's incredible that thing, that thing makes gameplay so fun not only for traversal being able to grab enemies get two enemies grab weapons uh grab the fusion coils and throw them at enemies it just adds so much to the game's overall experience and how fun it is um the overall narrative is like it's halo so it's like it's interesting but it's also like kind of weird I do like that it leaves it open-ended enough that with expansions that they we assume they're going to be adding over the course of the next 10 years is, quote-unquote, their plan. I do think it leaves a lot there, uh, whether it's the addition of, you know, enemy types like the Flood or the Endless, which are the new enemy type. A lot of cool stuff. Obviously, a post credit scene, which you love to see. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the, the, the forward operating bases, too, as a place where it's kind of like... You know, you you exit the game, you hop back in. Let me refresh, get the wet, the loadout I want. Let me get to this next mission. Kind of lets you like reset, recenter yourself, get everything you want equipped for yourself, and then head out on the next mission. The collectibles are are great. The skull locations are dope. Um, I think there's enough Easter eggs in the game sprinkled around that are fun. The game's challenging with the open world design with the elite snipers. If you don't understand they're in position in an area, you're going to explore they'll kill you so you kind of it forces you to get a lay of the land and understand what you're getting into uh there's really funny moments in it too like the uh the grunt propaganda towers dom that you just walk by and you hear these grunts just talking so much shit like on and on and you can just destroy it and shut him up 
had a blast with it. Uh, I love the twist they had in the narrative in terms of characters we know from the past. And yeah, it gets me excited for the lore and story of Halo moving forward, which after the events of Halo 5, they were in a tough spot with that. And I do think it feels like a rebirth. It's kind of like God of War in the sense of it's not a complete reboot, but it it is, you know? And I think Halo nailed that for itself. And yeah, I had an absolute blast of this game. Incredible. Yeah, so I I hardly even really I barely touched the multiplayer. Um, so speaking just on the campaign, like the biggest thing to be like the the grapple shot is, I I, I got to the point where I wasn't I wasn't ever really running except for in between grapple shot charges, right? And I just it was like playing. experimenting, right? Like shooting in oh, a tree. Yeah. Can I use the momentum mm-hmm. to get to the next spot? So good. I did so much fun shit with the grapple. It's like. It really felt very Breath of the Wildy, and where like it literally just like lets you manipulate, not manipulate the physics, but just the physics system is what it is, and like it's whatever happens is gonna happen, and it doesn't really stop you. It just it's a big sandbox for you to grapple to grapple around with, and it's 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 exhilarating. I can't, I'm surprised it felt as good as it did. I, I was it was a blast just zipping around with that thing. But the sound effect of that tool, I can mm-hmm. hear in my mind. Yeah, just <laughs> perfectly. <laughs> yeah exactly so good um but yeah i really like the narrative too it felt maybe a bit like smaller scoped than a lot of halo for sure yeah without you know i was trying to spoil anything but like in this specific game there aren't necessarily like big universe altering ramifications more so like like you mentioned kind of like setting up a lot of different it's pretty personal in a lot of ways for all parties yes that's what I was going to say next was, but I actually ended up liking that, or at least I didn't like dislike that there wasn't huge stuff going on because the personal, like, man, the pilot, every, like the, the chief and the pilot have one exchange in particular that like, I'm there. I'll never forget. I was like, Oh shit. Like, this is like, this is like a great movie scene right now. This is just, why, why is master chief talking? And he's saying more than like, you know, one bullet's enough or something cool like that, which is three <laughs> yeah. words. Usually that's fine. I don't need more from him, but in this Covenant game... Covenant inbound. <laughs> right. In this game, he, is, he does more than that. He's like, he's uh, he's more of a person, but not in a way that, you know, changes his character or, or like ruins him or anything like that. I mean, this he's this is a better chief. Um, the way he interacts with people, at every, I don't know, I just, I really liked everything they had going on with Chief and the pilot. Um, and even some of the enemies, uh, the final boss and like how that how that kind of plays out and how Chief's reaction to it maybe just like, oh, just kind of, yeah, I get it. Again, I don't want to spoil anything, um, but it was just really cool. It was a great campaign. And then, yeah, being open world, I think, was a good decision. And the way they incentivize you to actually want to go and check stuff out was was good. It's better, I guess, if you're playing multiplayer because then you're more incentivized to want to go clear stuff to get some of the skins. Oh, the lockers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Some yeah. of that stuff. So some of that I kind of just bypassed. I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't really care about that. But I did like going to save all the Marines around the ring. So like, normally those dudes are just fodder in Halo games. Like you bring a couple on your Warthog and they just get wasted within two minutes of your mission. Or, you know, and they don't even mean anything. You're lucky if they last two minutes. Let's be right. real. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so this game. I didn't even touch on the bounties. How did you like the bounties? Where like the reward was specialized versions of the weapons. Oh yeah, no, that stuff was really cool. That's right. Um, cause yeah, you uh, a little I guess quest sort of thing. Yeah, bounty 
comes up and you get a yeah a specialized specialized version of of one of the guns which reminded me a lot of death loop um which did something similar i'll point out um the stories yeah. of a lot of those guys is cool too because it felt like a like america's most wanted but it was like zeta ring most wanted it was really right. cool it was yeah so and so the um Man, like what, what the grunt? They're not the grunt, university. The, the galaxy's most dangerous grunt. That one was cool. Of the the grunt in the white armor, it's so good. Oh uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, this was this was a great campaign. I had a lot of fun, um, and I played the whole dang thing through the cloud, and it worked great. So I, that's cool. that is incredible. Xbox. That's the most Xbox. surprising thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Multiplayer, not it doesn't quite. It's just maybe someone with better internet could do it. Um, but it was just it's just a little too much latency especially when uh you know halo is a pretty demanding there's a lot of skilled dudes out there and i think you got pc players out there too it's already uh gonna be tough but yeah it's uh the, the campaign I, I i could talk how much i like loved it like all day I, it was a great game felt good to play yeah halo it, again. it's good when games even as worrisome as they are leading up to their launch and nail it and halo nailed and i'm glad halo's back because we often talk about like competition is great for all parties and Halo being back is better for PlayStation as much as it is for Xbox. So it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Lastly, uh, Knots 2. Like Death's Door, I've talked the internet's ear off about my thoughts on Knots 2. I can't talk about this game enough. Um, you haven't had as much chance to talk about it as I have. So I guess you'll be the one that talks about why this game is in our top three. <clears throat> so without revealing where it ended up for me um I'll I'll just at least I'll say that the the design and the story and the creativity of this game and how personal it is basically not I can't say everyone is going to like have a moment from this game where they're like oh that relates to them that just absolutely like makes them like look at something and think about something differently and just you know either crushes them or makes them feel better and it it it's like emotionally manipulative in the best possible way and it and it does it through the goofiest looking cartoon characters you'll ever see which is wild um and through you know good you know platforming gameplay which never really some of it's 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 clever in how it's contextualized like we've talked about but it never really blows my mind necessarily about like how well the, the game controls or feels or that kind of stuff. Um, but still the way certain things in this game hit me were just like, wow, this is, this is something like, I really love this game. It's really special. Um, the, I, I could pick out a lot of different characters and, and how, and what's going on inside their brain. Cause in this, yeah, in this game, you're, you know, you're, you're Raz. Well, uh, zippity little guy who uh, is a psychonaut, which, so he can go inside people's uh, minds, basically. And uh, every everything in, in a person's mind is basically can, is made to be some kind of cartoon. You know, all the enemies are, um, you know, certain things that exist inside a person's mind that are detrimental to them. Like we've talked about regrets and uh, bad moods are an enemy type. Um, one of my favorites was, oh, there's an enabler. So it's a it's an enemy that basically <laughs> yeah. is is powering up other enemies, and so you might you have to go get rid of that enabler before you can take down the real problem. Um, that's that's brilliant, right? Um, so lots of things like that. But 
I wanted to point out in particular one character that for me did it was um, Bob uh, Zanato, who is someone you help out. And <clears throat> they actually do a similar thing with some other characters too. But for Bob, he has um, some issues that, and, and none of this it like explicitly says necessarily, but he's had some issues where he's now kind of a hermit, doesn't talk to anyone, and um, has some kind of troubles with alcohol. And so as you're going through his mind, you know, there's these large bottles that you have to uh, basically go through and, and, and help him out. And what, what's happening though is all these people from his life are enemies in his mind and they're just shit talking him um, and putting him down and they're terrifying and they're these horrible monsters. And which is to say that's how he's perceiving um, people around him talking about him. But these are characters that you've already met in the game and you're like, that's they're these characters are nothing like that. I can't imagine they would ever act this way um, towards even someone I don't know yet, this Bob guy. Um, so how did, how that plays out um, and why, how it ultimately resolves was just really cool. Um, and it, it works out well for him. I, you know, I can say that much at least, but uh, that was one character for me that really, I just, oh man, it was so good. Uh, without, I don't want to spoil too much more, but there's there's that like that that's that's the whole game but you know with 15 other characters or whatever it is like you're going inside their minds and helping them you know decipher their problems or in one case um you're actually bringing up old problems that you shouldn't have been messing with necessarily um but it works out anyway uh, for a different character but yeah psychonauts 2 was was just re a really incredible game i really enjoyed it yeah, even with Bob Zanotto, his whole relationship with uh, Helmet, the the Viking guy, is awesome too, uh, because it's mm -hmm. obviously you you learn that they're in a gay relationship, but it's you know the focus is oh they're gay or anything like that. It just handles it in a natural way of any other relationship because that's what it is. It's any other relationship, and they have their issues and they talk about that. And yeah, his 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 level in particular is, spe I mean, a lot of them are special in their own way. And it, it, I love how it does play with, you know, they say perception is reality, right? More so than reality is reality. So to him, these people are these people, but your perception is entirely different because of the experiences you've had with them. It's so good. Um, I guess the way we'll do this is we'll say our number three, our number two, and the number one. Before, so number three for me. Okay. Uh, before we get into it, I forgot. There was, there was one other thing I have to say about psychonauts. Um, and what kind of like really pushed it ahead for me was um, the performances. Um, we were talking about for predicting game of the year, like a lot of the performances um, that we thought were better than what ended up winning. Um, but in Psychonauts 2, I'm going to try to word this properly because it is confusing. Uh, Jack Black is in there and he's great. But what was even more impressive was <laughs> a performance from, who I think was Elijah Wood playing Jack Black jack black's character's mind in another character's body but seeing the world basically for the first time so i don't know yeah. how you how you can act that but it was like you know it's like when there's a character within a character or you know a character in a movie who's in a movie it's like that but like times 50 and it i was like holy crap that was that was cool as hell and, and he nailed it it was really cool. it's like when a when a film does the freaky friday plot but it's they sell it really well so it's an yeah. actor playing another person playing them it's like that's it's levels of upon levels yeah i completely forgot that's a good point and yeah performances are so great and with celebrities you're always worried are they going to phone it in because it's a video game but jack black and elijah wood so good 
um, among all the other actors in it too as well. Uh, so I guess we'll do what our number three was two and then one for number three was death's door for me came in oh. right at number three. Okay. Yeah. Loved the game, but just the other games, halo infinite and uh Psychonauts two just were incredible. But like I've said, if somebody comes in, knocks down my door, says hands up, death's door needs to be game of the year. I'm like, sure. I, okay. you know, you, know I mean? you didn't need to break down my door for I, that to happen. I see your point. I had, yeah, I had halo at three. Yeah, and I wonder if maybe because you aren't as much of a multiplayer person as me, mm-hmm. and obviously the experience through Cloud wasn't fantastic, I wonder if maybe getting the full package might have bumped it up for you. But the fact that it's even three, which just the campaign shows how good of a job they did, which is dope. Uh, number two for me is Halo Infinite, uh, which by process of elimination, you'll know what my number one is. But yeah, complete package, great. I think for me, the difference is as as awesome and refreshing as halo infinite felt it still is similar to other video games i've played throughout my life not in a bad way whereas psychonauts 2 was such a unique experience that i haven't had in games um obviously the gameplay sure but everything around that no and then yeah what's your two and then obviously by process of elimination you're one man so yeah one and two so I was actually going back and forth three and four between Halo and Deathloop. But then, yeah, and for one and two, I was going back and forth between Psychonauts and Death's Door. And ultimately, and this is going to sound repetitive, but it is the exact, the exact same thing for me. So I put Death's Door at two. Um, I mean, I obviously already talked about how much I loved it, but it was also mostly everything I already love about games and knew I would love. I knew I was going to like Death's Door going in for what it did, and, and it hit on exactly that. Whereas Psychonauts, um, not necessarily a game I would normally play, and it just did so many things I didn't expect and didn't know I would like, and it and it it was just so new and it hit me in such different ways that that's to me like was it eventually I was like yeah you know what this is number one Psychonauts two was the best game that I played that came out in twenty twenty one it was it was incredible. Uh, forgive my language, but one of the funniest things, uh, Brian Altano from IGN, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know who Brian Altano is. One of the funniest things he says is he says, it hit me like a bag of dicks. And then, oh, yeah. <laughs> when you're just, that makes me laugh so much. And that's why you're like, you're like, second on, she just came out of nowhere. I'm like, it hit him like a bag of dicks. You know, it just hit you out of nowhere. And it's so funny that we have the same perspective of. Our number two game isn't a bad game. We absolutely loved it. But the mm-hmm. difference between that and Psychonauts 2 is Psychonauts 2 provided something we hadn't played before. You know what I mean? And I wonder if in 2022, if Alden Ring ends up faltering in that way for us where we love it, it's absolutely incredible. But what if we play a game that comes along and isn't something we've played before and takes up number one spot, you know? Mm-hmm. I wonder yeah. how that'll how it'll shape out. But yeah, by Prosival and Elimination there, you can see that our game of the year is Psychonauts 2. I'm completely fine with that. It's... Uh, it's funny too, because like you said, it wasn't necessarily a game you were gonna play. And I don't know if I partially sold it to you, which I hope that was you the did. case. Because, yeah, I more people should have played this game because it's absolutely incredible. Um, and then obviously this year I'll get to check out Deathloop too, so I wonder how that will play out for me. But yeah, Psychonauts two, Halo Infinite, and Death Store are top three. I would say uh, you had Halo Infinite at three, right? And then Death Store at two. Yeah, I would probably say then that we would make Death Store number two. I don't mind bumping it even though they're like equal in quote-unquote points halo infinite would be three and then we don't have another game on the list together right because my four is life is strange your four is death loop and then what's your five mario party and mine's <laughs> backbone so yeah 
we'll say that those share those spots together. Um, but yeah, it's it's cool that we have the same top three. We we generally have a lot of the same taste when it comes to video games, just sometimes slightly different when it comes to indie titles or other stuff. Uh, but it's cool to see us be as homogenous as we are. As we are, oftentimes when we talk about the news, I'll talk about I'll, I'll you know introduce the news topic, and you'll be like. Well, I don't have much else to add. I practically would have said what you just said because uh, oftentimes we're on that same wavelength. Maybe it's because we've done the podcast for so long. Who knows at this point? Um, but yeah, if you're out there and you haven't played Death Store or Psychonauts 2, please play them. My other recommendation, because I know I, I can mention the AAA games, but Backbone is a game I wish more people played and would play. It's on Game Pass, so there's no excuse. And Unpacking. Uh, unpacking is like Psychonauts 2 in that I haven't played a game like that ever before. And it's such a, in the times we're in, a relaxing game is a godsend. <laughs> those, we don't get a lot of those, like truly relaxing. Obviously, playing your favorite multiplayer game or story-based game can be cathartic, but this game is actively relaxing uh, in the activities you're going through in terms of unpacking. So that's that. Uh, one quick thing I wanted to shout out before we go is... Uh, I try to watch as much movies as possible. Movies aren't my preferred medium in terms of entertainment, but I love movies. It's kind of that weird dichotomy there. So I try to force myself to watch as many movies as I can. Uh, so I had a top 10 list of films I watched in 2021, Dom. So these aren't new films all entirely, but they're the top 10 films I watched in 2021. So I'm going to go through them real quick and shout out if you've seen any of them, if you're interested in never watching them. Okay. So number 10 for me was Honey Boy. This is a movie oh, that was so directed good. by Shia LaBeouf. It's basically about his childhood. He plays his dad. Incredible movie. Um, Shia LaBeouf is probably one of, if not my favorite actor, despite him being such a problematic human being, which it's kind of one of those things of like the reason he's likely such a good actor is because he's so problematic and his, you know, all that stuff. Uh, number nine, have you heard of the half of it? No. So at the jump, you look at the half in it and you're like the half of it. And it's like, okay, this is a typical rom-com movie where these kids are in high school this girl likes this guy, but this guy likes a different girl. And the guy asks the girl that likes him to help him win over the girl he likes, right? You've seen that that story play out a million times in movies. This one is different because what ends up happening is that the girl, the, the main character doesn't like the guy. She's gay. She actually likes the same girl he does. And what happens is she he pays her to help he pays her to help him write poems for this girl. And then he finds out that she likes her, but it's not the typical thing of like, oh, I can't believe you didn't tell me you liked her. Were you sabotaging me? He immediately is sincere, understands the assignment and helps her out. It's a very progressive take on this type of rom-com. It's really good. Um, Obviously, it's like a high school rom-com. So it's like how interesting it's going to be. The progressive take on it, I think, is really brilliant. And uh, the main actress in it, I think, is going to end up being a movie star. She's fantastic. She's the younger daughter or the younger sister in uh, To All the Boys I've Loved, that really popular Netflix film series. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, really good movie. Uh, number eight, Suicide Squad. Don't have to say much about that. James Gunn is fantastic. I, I'll watch any movie that guy does. He has another movie where it's workers trapped in like their own corporate building. That's really good. And I can't remember the name of it. I actually also watched Suicide Squad. And yeah, it was great. Heck of a lot better than the other one. Heck of a oh, lot. for sure. <laughs> it, yeah. It, it, James Gunn is such a good director, man. So incredible. Uh, number six, uh, number seven, Don't Tell a Soul. This stars uh, the main curly-headed kid from It and uh, Rain Wilson. Basically, these two brothers, 
uh, go into this house that's getting fumigated and they steal stuff and this guy catches them. He chases after them through the woods. He falls in a hole and they have to decide if they save him or not because he can basically turn them into the police for uh, robbery. So he's trapped in a hole and it's basically a moral quandary of him asking them to please save him. And the older brother is a shithead. The younger brother is sympathetic. And they basically have to figure out if they want to help this guy out of this hole or let him die. Right. Very good. It's recommended to enough. So I got to check that out. Yeah. Don't tell a soul. Very good. Uh, number six, Big Sick with Kamal Nanjiani and his real life wife. Oh, yeah. Uh, this cool. movie came out years ago. Just one I hadn't gotten a chance to get to. Lives up to the hype. Really good. Um, Plan B. Have you heard of this? This is my number five movie. Yes, I think so, I, scrolled, I scrolled past it, but I still haven't watched. Plan B is, and this is going to be reductive, Plan B is super bad, but with girls. Mm-hmm. So it's the same plot. It's these two girls. They're getting ready to go to college. What's happening? Uh, it's way more crude than you would expect from a movie about women because te- typically those type of films tend to be uh, more uh, prudish, right? Because it's... The female perspective, but this one is actually genuine in the female perspective of going to college. It's really funny. Uh, I suggest it to anybody who likes Superbad, you're going to love Plan B because it's just the female perspective in 2021. It's such a good movie. Really good. Probably my, one of my favorite comedies. Uh, number four, Peanut Butter Falcon. Shia LaBeouf as well. He befriends uh, a boy with Down syndrome who wants to be a professional wrestler. Have you seen this movie? Yeah, it's so good. I love that one too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so good. Two Shia LaBeouf movies in my top ten. Number three, Mitchells versus the Machines. Have you heard of this one? No. This is from the studio that made Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And it's basically a family who has to fight back modern-day technology in a really creative and clever way. And if you love the animation style of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, you're going to dig this. One of the most visually stimulating animated movies. And it's really funny. It's really heartwarming. It's a family road trip. Uh, with a twist. Very good. Number two is The Farewell. Have you heard of this film? This was Aquafina's drama debut. So Aquafina, the Asian actress who was in Shang-Chi and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, it's basically about her going going back uh, and, to her family in Korea and coming to terms with her grandmother dying, but also what it means for her not to be a real American or a real Korean, right? Somebody who is a part of both worlds, but at the same time feels like they're a part of neither. Uh, very good film. Very sad. Very uh, serious, but very good. Aquafina kills it. And then the my number one of the year was Sound of Metal. This stars Riz Ahmed. Right. He's a drug-addicted drummer who loses his hearing, and he has to come to terms with learning sign language and not being able to pursue the life he wanted and how that affects his personal relationships and even himself. Very good movie. I love Riz Ahmed. For me, this is his best film he's ever done. If you love music or if you love drama movies or if you just love Riz Ahmed, it's a must watch. Fantastic. So those are my top movies I watched. I haven't seen Spider-Man yet. uh, And obviously I love Marvel (laughs) movies, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, just go watch Spider-Man. I I, I won't say anything about it, but yeah, I've missed some this year. Like I, I never watched Dune. I know. That's on my list to watch as well. Yeah, that should be for me, but I just hadn't got to it. Um, oh, Malignant, that was a that was a good one, um, a horror movie, but very unique take, really cool. Pig uh, is one I want to get to too. 
Don't look yeah. up. Yeah, Pig with Nicolas Cage. It's supposed to be really good. I haven't seen yeah. that either. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I would have to make a list. There's oh, okay, uh, Vacation Friends. If you're into, um, the speaking of Suicide Squad, John Cena is in this, and it's pretty hilarious as far as dumb comedies go. Um, that's one that sticks out. But yeah, I, I have to make a movie list. Um, I to get some back and forth going because uh, I think we have similar tastes there as well, and I'm always looking for for more movies to watch. I have an ongoing list. Uh, especially yeah. in pandemic times but yeah yeah i kind of dropped that on you out of nowhere <laughs> um <laughs> that's it for this week's show like i said next week we're gonna be doing our predictions and our fantasy critics league uh hopefully chris is able to join us if not it'll just be us two regulars as always um yeah uh, i'm happy with our goatee psychonauts 2 what a wonderful game if oh, you yeah. haven't yet definitely play it uh for instance right now if you were to subscribe to ultimate uh, ultimate game pass uh you would be able to play psychonauts 2 which is on my list uh backbone which is on my list unpacking which is on my list um forza horizon 5 which is on my list halo infinite which is on both of our lists what is there anything else on your list that would be on it death loop will be there this coming year no it's not on there yet yeah oh man what else you said halo yeah i don't know that that's really there's like five games on our game of the year list that are on game pass which is incredible yeah so definitely go check that out. Uh, follow us on uh, Spotify. You can rank podcast notes. If you have the time, please leave us a five-star rating. It'll help us get seen by more people in the audience. And the more our audience grows, the better the show can get. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at uh, Jared Weich. I, I believe that's my Twitter handle. Hold on. Yeah, Jared Weich, J-E-R-A-D-W-I-C-H-E. I don't pimp it enough, so I always forget exactly what it is. Dom is at Obi Dom Kenobi, but the O and Obi is the number zero, not the letter O. Uh, collectively, we're at CTRLINT. That's Controlled Interests, abbreviated. YouTube search Controlled Interests will pop right up. Uh, but if you can, please go leave us a rating on Spotify. It'll definitely help us out. Uh, happy New Year. Hopefully 2022 is a good year for everybody. A lot of awesome stuff on the horizon in entertainment. And, uh, you know, both of us personally have goals we want to achieve. And hopefully we hit them because these last couple of years have been tough. And hopefully we're trying to reach the end of the tunnel. But every day it seems like that tunnel gets a little bit deeper. <laughs> Just a little bit, a little bit. But on the bright spot, a uh, lot of positivity for the Detroit Lions heading into 2022, Dom. And Michigan. And... Yeah, well, we'll see. As soon as I, I hear, I get confirmation that Harbaugh is staying and that he gets what he wants <laughs> and he can, you know, they give him the leverage or the recruiting stuff he needs, then I'm like, all right, we're good. Because otherwise, man, we just lost like half our team to the NFL. <laughs> it's it's going to be rough. True, but, that is valid. But we've always um, got a lot of guys coming in too, so. Yeah, plenty of stuff to look forward to. <laughs> Hopefully the uh, Tom Brady doesn't win another Super Bowl. That's all I'm going to say. And Honestly, we'll catch you guys next time. I'm with you. Yeah. Bye.